0: and turn to First Thessalonians chapter 5, and we're going to talk about hope, the mind's defense. And while you're turning there, I do have it, First Thessalonians chapter 5. While I'm, while I'm turning there, I want to just pray, Lord Jesus, we, we thank You that You're our hope, You're our joy, You're our salvation. And Father, in You there's, there's faith, hope, and there's love. And so Lord, this morning, right now, would You prepare our hearts our minds, prepare our bodies, prepare our spirits for for the Word of God today. And Lord, let this Word of God feed our souls, feed our minds, and feed our our, our whole life so that we can be well and strong and we can be prepared for, for the deceptions of the enemy. We can be prepared to give answers to those who need help and that we ourselves will have this hope, God, that's not wishful thinking, but it's a real hope of the goodness of God in our lives. So Lord, we bless You. Anoint Your Word today in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. First Thessalonians 5 verses 8 through 11 says this, "I might have it up there. I do have it great. but since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love as a breastplate, and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ." Did you hear that? He doesn't want you to suffer. He wants you to receive hope. Isn't that awesome? In fact, God tells us to renew our mind. Okay, so here it is. Here it is. For he died. I just threw that in there. He wants us to renew our mind. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. Now, there's a couple parts of the scripture that I wanted to point out to you. One, it says, of course, be self-controlled, put on faith and love and then as a breastplate. And then he says, put on the hope of salvation as a helmet. Okay. Now, it's interesting, I, I brought up, and I, I've done this before. I have, I have what's, this is, the military doesn't use these anymore. This is called a steel pot helmet. And under this little camo covering, there's a steel pot. So when my dad was in the Army for 21 years, um, this is the type of helmet he, he would wear in combat or training. And so the, this helmet is not totally bulletproof. Now they have better helmets, they're not totally bulletproof. But the helmet protects them in the battle. And you see football players, they wear helmets. Race car drivers wear helmets. Uh, fighter pilots wear helmets. When, when I ride my bike, I wear a helmet uh, to protect my head. Now, I remember, do you remember that commercial? There was a commercial about schooling. They're saying the mind is a terrible thing to waste. Some of you remember that? And so, so they're really strong on, you know, don't waste your mind. Uh, you, you know, use your mind for great things. And see, the same thing is God says, put on the, the helmet of hope. Put on God's helmet of hope on your mind to protect your mind. Because have you ever had a thought and you're thinking, where did that thought come from? Are you tracking with me? You're like, where did that thought come from? That came out of left field. Or that, that's a weird thought. Now, now, there's a lot of things. And so, sometimes you think, well, where do thoughts come from? And I want to talk a little bit about where thoughts came from. I want to talk about how you can protect your thoughts and protect your minds and you can get control of your thoughts. Did you know that you don't have to allow thoughts to have their way in your life? And God says through his word that you can have control through self-control. And so sometimes we think, well, I just had the weirdest thought out of the blue. Where did that come from? What influences our thoughts? I'm going to talk about that this morning. And you see, if we're not careful, our thoughts can run wild, right? You ever, you ever made like, and I can do this sometimes, I can make a, a molehill into a mountain, you know that statement? Where I can worry about something and I make, I make, I make a little thing into a big thing because I'm worried about it. Because my thoughts, I'm letting my thoughts just have the way. I'm not reigning my thoughts in. I'm not controlling what I'm thinking about. And you see, you you and I have an advantage over um, most of all creation. You have the ability to think concrete and abstract thoughts. Okay? You have the sense of reasoning. Yes, some animals can reason, but you are beyond that. And and also you have a you know, posable thumb. Most animals don't. Now there are some that do. So, okay. But you see, you don't see other animals building restaurants and, and doing science, right? I don't see any animals, but it's because you have cognitive, concrete, and abstract thoughts where you can form things. Form you're, Every one of you are smart, you're intelligent, and I don't care what people say about you, I don't care what you say about yourself, you are powerful, you are wonderful, and God gives you the biggest and best computer in the world. It's called the human brain. And so in that human brain, you can do great things because God can put good thoughts into you or you can let the world tell you how terrible you are or lie to you and deceive you. And so this morning I want to help you say, you know what, I'm going to get a hold of my thoughts. Because you see, sometimes our thoughts can be evil or hopeless or or depressing. But I want to talk about how we can have great thoughts. Amen? So the first thing, are you ready to write this down, is where do thoughts come from? Now there's probably more sources, but there's three big sources I want to talk about today. Letter A are the five senses. What are the five senses? Sight, sound, touch, taste, and smell, right? So, so, so those, those five senses, probably 80% of our thoughts are influenced by the natural stimuli around us. The sights, the sounds. Like um, yesterday I was out riding my bike and I could sm- it was about getting close to dinner time and I could smell people barbecuing. Guess what it did to me? I'm hungry. I've got to get home and eat. So it, it influenced my thoughts. Right? And you see, so sight, sound, taste, touch, and smell can influence your thoughts. Now, many of us, we've heard the saying that our eyes are the windows to our what? Our soul. Our eyes are the windows to our soul. Okay? Now, again, just listen to me for a few moments. Now, one of the greatest single sources or two sources <coughs> excuse me, of influence in our lives today is what we call the mass media, which is TV, radio, internet, um, Books, magazines, etc. And so, probably the most influential probably still is TV. Now, I would would still say that Internet is probably second. But TV can influence your life. Is that true or false? True or false. Okay, so it is true. So, TV can be good things. It can be bad things. And however, what happens though is when you turn the TV on, I mean, you do have a remote. You can turn it off. You can do that. But TV can change your thought process. It can influence your thinking. It, it 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 can influence you good or bad. And see, so TV can control the masses physically, intellectually, and spiritually. Again, I have TVs, and we were at Kay Anderson's 60th wedding anniversary celebration. They're talking about back when they got married. One in, was it one in three homes had TVs. Now everyone has three or four or five TVs in a house, right? Every room has a TV, and I'm, I'm guilty. We have I think we have three TVs in our house. Uh, uh, I think three or four anyway. Uh, and so, so, so it's good or bad, and so. With me, I'm purposely trying to make sure that the TV is not making me think things that I shouldn't think. Okay, with my kids. And I remember I told you this before. I remember um, sitting, watching TV, and I love science fiction shows. And there was a science fiction thing where these aliens took over people's bodies. I mean, I was, that was exciting. Well, kind of exciting. And so this guy in the movie, he was realizing this alien was trying to take him over. And so he, he, there was this... There was this uh, uh, he was wrestling around and he broke. He broke this lamp and there was, so there was this lamp with, with the, the bulb was gone. And he put his finger into that open socket and was shocked and the alien got out. And my dad turned to me and says, "You cannot do that, Stan. You will kill yourself." And you see, so then and then I don't know. I think last year we were watching a movie a year ago and one of those superhero movies, you know, whatever. It was a and this guy jumped out of the car of this car and he jumped in front of this car and stopped it. And I remember there was his dad and his son. His son was, I don't know, five or six years old. And he said, son, we can't do that. Do you understand me? Because why, why would he say that? Why would my dad tell me something like that? Because we sometimes think that everything on the TV or the screen is real. Right? And so you have to be careful. I'm not saying it's all evil because I, I enjoy TV sometimes and all that kind of stuff. But TV can, if you're not careful... Can destroy. I remember sitting in a mass communications class, I think it was my sophomore year in college, and the professor was telling us that the desire of the mass media, these were his words, the desire of the mass media was to condition and even control how people think. He he had worked in mass media, public relations, for for 20, 30 years, and he said the, the desire is to control the thoughts of people. Okay? How do we know? How do, how do you know? Why do I have so many different cereal boxes in my house? Because my kids see the cereal ads on TV, don't they? Oh, oh got to have it, right? Right? Got to have it, got to have it. Why do industries spend billions of dollars every year on commercials? Because they're making money. They're, they're, now, some of that stuff's good, some of it's bad, some of it's okay. Some of it just has no, no effect on your life. But you see, the media... Can, can, can help or hurt us. And so TV and mass media are prime vessels for, check this out, the enemy of our souls to influence our thinking. But it's also a possibility for God to help us as well. Okay, so the five, the five senses. Now here's some other thoughts. Letter B is your subconscious mind. This is your memory. Again, you, you are a great computer. You have ability to, to produce thoughts. You have the ability to come up with great thoughts, good thoughts, average thoughts, bad thoughts, and let me just say this to you, Cal. Okay? I'm not trying to di- discourage you. Some thoughts that come in your mind, they're just random thoughts, and your your mind just works like that sometimes. Of course, some thoughts you might think are random because they're conditioned, and of course, we'll talk about in a few moments. There are some thoughts that come from other f- forces in life that try to deceive you. Okay, but I want to tell you this some some thoughts. In fact, I was driving this morning, coming into church, and all of a sudden this thought, and it wasn't a good thought. That that is not of God. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. And so I'm just going to tell you, you can take authority of those thoughts because the Bible says we, have, we can do that in Corinthians. That when a thought comes in, they like, "That is not of God. That's a bad thought. I, I rebuke that. I bind that in the name of Jesus." I'm just telling you. But here it is: your subconscious memory. Um, recently, just just recently, you know, it was my dad's fourth year anniversary of his passing. He died of cancer four years ago, and, and there was something. Of course, I'm thinking about it, but something reminded me of my dad. It's just something that I heard, or there was a smell, a, a combination of it. And, and my subconscious brought memories of my dad. Of course, I started crying a little bit, thinking about my dad. And so, how many of you have been somewhere and also you've heard a certain song and there's like, the weather's just right, and all of a sudden something comes back in full vivid color from 20 years ago, five years ago, yesterday. And so your subconscious can also bring in thoughts. And those are, they can be good and they can be bad. And so there's certain stimuli that bring it back. But now let me talk about letter C. Another source of, of, of thoughts are, is spiritual. The spiritual world. Now, some people are like, oh my goodness, that's weird. You're getting weird on me. You know, I don't believe in all that stuff. There are spiritual forces for us and against us, okay, in this world. And if you don't believe me, just watch the news. Why do we have a problem with people getting guns and trying to shoot people? Well, we had gun control. It's not a gun control issue. That might help. But they have been lied to Spiritually. They've isolated themselves. And, and I, I, I ride with police. I go to police trainings and I talk to. And they say most of these people that do this, they get, them, they get away from people and they begin to feed on these negative thoughts. They watch these, these evil shows, the, these things you know uh, that, that are bad for them. And they begin to have these thoughts and they begin to meditate on these bad thoughts and they begin to start hating people because that's what the enemy does. The spiritual force of evil does that. And then they say the only way I can get back or the only way I can deal with this world is hurt people. That's evil. Evil thoughts have overcome them and they've allowed those evil thoughts, they've fed on those, they're just allowing those evil thoughts to to be processed in their life. And if there's no one there, there's no one there to guide them and help them Because if you look at all those who've done these bombings and shootings, they've separated themselves mostly from their family and their friends. Recently, the the unfortunate one we just saw in in Wisconsin where this guy went to the Sikh temple and it was awful and it shot people there, was he separated himself from most of society and he began to just listen to this radical teaching. Okay? And so what happens is is these people, they they allow these evil thoughts. And so you and I have got to be careful, right? That's why we have family. That's why we have friends. That we have church. And you see, there is a spiritual world. God sends good thoughts. Amen? If you don't hear anything else today, and I've said this many times, there are three sources of voices in the world. Okay, First, there's God's voice. Secondly, there's your voice. And thirdly, there's Satan's voice. God's voice, your voice, and Satan's voice. Those are the three main voices in the world today. God's voice is always good. God's voice always has good for you. Okay, now, it might be a disciplining word, but it's always good. Your voice can be noble, but sometimes your voice is generally self-seeking. Not always, but generally self-seeking, because mankind has done noble and great things. Thirdly, the voice of Satan, the Bible says in John, that, the, that Satan's native language is lying. Did you know that? And so his voice is a lying voice. It's a deceptive voice. It's a destructive voice. And so he always is lying for to you to, 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 to destroy people, to, to, to do things to your body, to, to do things that are, that are harmful. Okay? So if you have thoughts like that, you've got to take captive those thoughts. you got to say, I take captive that thought. I rebuke that thought in the name of Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? So there is a spiritual force out there. There's a spiritual world. Well, I don't believe in that stuff. It happens. It happens. I mean, it's easy for people to believe in aliens. It's easy for people to believe in, 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 in Mickey Mouse. And it's easy for people to believe in, that Elvis is still alive. But why do we struggle with spiritual forces? I'm not sure. I'm not into that stuff. Well, it, whether you're into it or not, it's there. But you can harness the good thoughts that come in your mind. So listen to the good thoughts. Listen to the God thoughts. Amen? You see, one of the ways that you can help your good thoughts is picking up the Bible and reading the Bible. Did you know these are thoughts from God. These are thoughts from God put in, in a book. And you can read these thoughts. You can also sit before God and say, God, speak to me. Because God is still a living God and He still speaks to you and I today. Some of you think, no, I can never do that. Yes, you can. Well, that's, that's for special people. You're special. You're an awesome person. Jesus died on the cross for you. He gave you life. And you can hear the voice of God. Well, I don't know. I, I hear other voices. Well, then why not hear the voice of God? Amen? I mean, I know we're told not to, if you hear voices, you know, I'm hearing voices. Well, you need to filter out voices and say, I want to hear the voice of God. God's voice is always good. He'll guide you. He'll protect you. He'll lead you. He has great thoughts for your life. Amen? And there's incredible, incredible power in the thoughts of God. And from His Word and His thoughts comes healing, comes encouragement, comes purpose, comes hope for life. Amen? So let God speak to you. And rebuke evil thoughts. Now, again, now sometimes the Bible also says, I'm not going to go there too long, but the Bible says that when temptation comes, did you know temptation is not a sin? Being tempted is not a sin. It's just when you begin to think about how to make that temptation come out. So, Because you and I are tempted every day. Thoughts are coming in. Even probably at this moment, there's thoughts coming at your mind. You've got to say, that's just a temptation. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. Okay, You can do that. Just nod your head. Some of you are sleeping. Just nod your head, okay? But the Bible tells us that we can control our thoughts. And people say, well, I can't help myself. We're not animals. We are not animals. Sometimes people act like animals, but you're not an animal. Right? You can control your thoughts. You put clothes on today. My dog didn't put clothes on today. My dog didn't get in a car and drive here. My dog didn't get on a bus to come to church. My dog woke me up because he was hungry. I want to eat. Every morning, 6 six to 6.30, I want to eat. Okay? I want to eat too. You're not an animal. You are a higher species. And God has great plans for you. And you can control your thought. And regardless of what people say, and it's sad because you're you're seeing these... People that do these evil things and they said, I can't control myself. Well, he's insane. or he's ins- we, can't, we can't judge him. No, they might be controlled, but they purposely allowed their lives to be taken over by these thoughts. And at any time, they could say, no, these thoughts are not my thoughts. Do you see what I'm saying? And so too many times in our society, we always blame, I can't help it, I can't help it. You can help it. It takes strength from God and self-discipline from you, but you can help it. Amen? Come on, this is good stuff, right? I want to give you hope. I want to give you joy. Now, number two is put on... I've got to move on. Number two is put on the helmet of hope. Letter A is is the armor of God. The Bible says in Ephesians 6, 13-18, it talks about the armor of God. Write that down, the armor of God. You see, sometimes we wonder, we think, why am I I depressed? Why am I discouraged? Why am I worried? Why am I full of fear? Why, why Why do I only speak pessimistic? And cynical thoughts. And part of that is because we're being conditioned by the world. And I catch myself. I have to catch myself and say, these are not thoughts from God. And I have to catch myself and say, Lord, help me. And so one of the things, that one of the many tools that God gives you is the armor of God. Ephesians six thirteen through 18 Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Now you see, Paul, he said what? Put on what? Put on the armor of God. What does that that mean? What's the implication there? You have to put on the armor. There's a spiritual battle. God gives you protection. God doesn't send us into this world just like helpless little sheep. He gives us armor. The, the Bible talks about the armor. And He says not only that, you get six defensive weapons and, and then you have a couple offensive weapons. You have the sword of the Spirit and then you have the, 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 the prayers, the intercession talks about that. So, so you and I are responsible. Just because we're born again doesn't mean the armor is automatically put on. Every day you have to put on the armor. Every day you have to say, and I pray this often, God, protect my thoughts today. Protect my heart so that I've focused on you, that I'm not allowing some some influence that's not of you. So God gives you armor and you have to put it on. Now, letter B, the hope of salvation. The hope of salvation, 1 Thessalonians 5.8 says, But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. You see, if we do not put on the helmet... Okay, If we do not put on this helmet, we the helmet of God, we are asking for trouble. If we don't put hope over our mind, can we get depressed and discouraged in this world? Okay, it can. And so what, what's the antidote? The antidote is put the thoughts of God into your mind. Put the hope of God. Put the helmet on so that your mind is protected from the work of the end. I'll put this down here so I can refer to this a little bit more. And so you've got to say, God, help me to put on the hope of salvation. You see, I think many Christians, we struggle with how to control our thought life. And you've got to say, you know what? There's hope. There is joy. There is a God that loves me. Okay, say this. God is good. He is great. And He loves me. Okay, so with those three thoughts, think about that. That he, He loves you. There's more to that. But God is good. And if He's good, He wants to give you good thoughts. He wants to give you good things. And so you've got to put on this helmet of hope. Say, there's hope. There's a hope that protects my mind, my thoughts, my life. And we have many sermons on, on, on faith and love, but fair, sometimes not as many on hope. God gives us hope. Amen? So put on the helmet of hope. 1 Corinthians thirteen, thirteen, And now these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Okay? So obviously, God is a God of hope. Alright, now let's talk about this. Number three, more than a positive attitude. Hope is more than a positive attitude. Okay? Letter A, hope is more than wishful thinking. Okay? You and I might say, I hope to see you at Christmas, or I hope to see you at Thanksgiving. Here's wishful thinking, okay? Listen to this. Here's wishful thinking. I hope my Washington Redskins can win. Now that's wishful thinking, right? Some of you Redskin fans, okay? Right now, the Broncos, I'm, I'm kind, of saying, kind of there too. God's football team, the Denver Broncos. You see, hope in God, it's more than wishful thinking. You see... This is not biblical. I, I hope I can have this in my life. I hope I can get ahead. I mean, and those things are possible. But you see, let be. write this down. Hope is a confident expectation of the goodness of God. Hope is a confident expectation of the goodness of God. I mean, you can go to the bank on that. Spiritually, physically, emotionally, relational, even financially. Hope is not wishful thinking, but hope in God is the expectation of of the goodness of God. Listen to me. Is God good? Is God great? Does God love you? Does God provide for you? Okay, see, that's hope. That's not wishful thinking. I hope the Denver Broncos can win. I hope the Redskins can ever win. Right? I know God loves me. I know God provides for me. I know God protects me. I know God has a plan for my life. That's not wishful thinking. That is a sure thing. Amen? And so you've got to protect your mind by saying, okay, God is great. God is good. God is love. God gives me every good thing and God has a plan for my life. You can put that on as your mind and remind yourself daily, God is good. God is great. God has a plan for me. God God cares for me. Isn't that awesome? Hope in God is more than wishful thinking. Hope, again, it's a confident expectation of the goodness of God. So let her see... Why do we have so much hopelessness? You see, hopelessness is one of the saddest human expressions around. How many of you sometimes, you know, I think about this. And I think about my life. And I, I want my life to count. I want your life to count. And I think to myself, if I just live 80 years or 90 years, and the only reason I'm living is just to make a living to get by and maybe have a retirement at the end, what a hopeless life that would be. I want my life to count I mean there's nothing wrong with that I'm, I'm hoping that and trying to set aside so that I can't someday when God allows me to retire that I will be able to relax a little bit but I want to know that when I live my life I didn't live just for that little retirement I lived so that other lives could be changed and you see there are many people they get up on Monday morning or maybe they're working now and they get up and they do the grind and they, Monday through Friday or Monday through Saturday and you just hope you hope that you hope you hope and they start getting behind in things. Or, or the, the, the life of the, struggle begins to weigh down on Or the pressures of the world. And you see then they begin to have hopelessness. I'll never get out of this dead-end job. I'll never get out of this relationship. My life is hopeless. And that's not from God. That's the enemy. That's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to trap you with this hopeless life. And if you watch our news and you read the papers and you, you see this hopelessness abounds in our society. Hopelessness Hopelessness drains life from you. But you see, again, we have hope in God. Amen? So you have hope. You have purpose. You have reason. You see, hopelessness takes your motivation away. It takes your inspiration away. Hopelessness makes you give up. And just say, why? Why? I Just forget it. I'm not, I'm not going to do this. I'm just going to live and whatever happens, happens. That's not what God's plan for your life is. God has a plan for you. He has a future. He has plans that, to prosper you. Amen? You see, sometimes you wonder, why do I even go to church? There's no hope in my life. There's no no life in my faith. Put on the helmet of salvation. Put on the helmet of hope. Reassure yourself, God is good. God is great. God loves me. God cares for me. God has a plan for my life. God wants good things to happen. In fact, Romans 8.31 says, What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, what does it say? Who can be against us? Come on, let's say this. If God is for us, who can be against us? You see, God is for you. He's your biggest fan. Not just your mama. Not just your daddy. God is your biggest fan. And if God is for us, then who can be against us? No one, amen? And so so part of this letter D then is we need a hope that perseveres. We need a hope that is that is persevering. Now, please just hear me. You know I joke about this often, but if you and I are hoping in a politician or we're hoping in a a political party, we're hopeless. Now, there are good politicians and sometimes the political parties do good things. And I pray that. I pray that every day God help these political parties, these politicians do good things. But if my hope is in them, I'm in trouble. Amen? You see, if my hope is in the stock market, my goodness, right? Wow! My hope is in God. If, if my hope is in another person, I'm going to be disappointed because people make mistakes. People falter sometimes. Now, some people do great things. But, check this out. If my hope is in Jesus Christ, I'll be able to persevere any storm that life throws at me. Isn't that awesome? If my hope is in God's promises, my future will be secure. Amen? You see, if my hope is in God's provision, listen to this if my hope is in God's provision, I'll never have a real need. Right? Some of us said, I need a million dollars. I need this or that. You know what? Maybe you might need that, but God's Bible says, I, my God will meet all my needs according to His riches in glory. And we get our, our needs and our wants mixed up sometimes, don't we? And God want, gives you sometimes your wants along with your needs. But you can go to the bank on this. God meets my every need. Amen? And so Hebrews 3.1 says this, Therefore, holy brothers who share in this heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus. Fix your thoughts on Jesus, the Apostle and High Priest, whom we confess. You see, because Jesus has never failed. Jesus will never fail. I'm going to fail you. You're going to fail someone. Politicians fail. The economy fails. The world fails. But Jesus never fails he never did fail. He never will fail. So fix your thoughts on Him. Amen? So let me talk about this. Let me move on. Number five, expecting good. Expecting good. Four, I'm sorry. Expecting good. Letter A, God is working all things together for good. Romans eight twenty eight. You know this. And we know that in all things, say that, all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. Which things is God working out good? All things. You should be shouting and saying, wow, this, this struggle I'm dealing with, God's going to work it out. This debt I'm dealing with, God's going to work it out. This, this, this habit that's breaking my life, God is going to help me work this out. This depression, this fear, this anxiety, this, this sickness, this, this thing, God is going to help me work this thing out. Isn't that awesome? God cares for you. He says, I love you. I want to work things out for the good of those. So, of course, the qualification is, do you love God? I hope, yes, you do. And am I doing what God has called me to do? I hope you are. You see, God has a purpose for your life. The Scripture gives us a foundation for never-failing optimism. Don't you just hate optimists? Don't you hate the person that's always got the smile on their face, right? Come on, some of you are like that. I mean, you go to work and you have this coworker, and they're always happy, you know... You know, the whistle while you work, and you're like, shut up already. Well, that's improper. Be quiet, you know. Or that person, you see them driving down the road, and they're smiling and whistling, and you're like honking the horn, get out of my way, right? Don't you just hate optimists? Why? Who's controlling your thoughts? I mean, there's times I'm in a hurry, I'm like, come on, come on, move, move, move. You know, whistle while you work over there. I understand that. But then I have to regather my thoughts. Why? Why am I getting stressed out about something? Why? Because, see, you and I can have an internal, eternal optimism. It doesn't have to be that cheesy grin. You know, it doesn't have to be that fake smile. But it's, you know what? In all things, God works for my good. In all things, all the time. That is pure optimism. That's not wishful thinking. Amen? That's awesome, right? So you can now be that person who's sitting on the, on the metro smiling, right? You can be that person driving the car, worshipping. You can be that person that's at work smiling. Hey, did you hear the economy crashed? Hey, that's okay. God is my economy. What's wrong with you? Well, if the economy crashed, and we're in trouble, right? But I have God. And God's economy has never crashed. And it never will crash. Did you hear about so and so? That's awful. But I'm praying for him because God can work all things out. Have, have a real optimism in God. Amen? Hope is full of joy and optimism. Let her be. How much more will your father give good things? Man, God is good. Amen. Oh, pastor, I didn't want to hear a sappy good message. Well, yeah, I need it. You need it today. Matthew 7:11. If hey, this is better than the 7:11, right? Matthew 7:11. It says, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? Isn't that awesome? How much more will your Father in Heaven give good things? That's exciting. Alright, listen to me. How many of you know, when you buy Christmas gifts for your family, do you go out of your way to buy bad gifts? Some of you do. It's like, I gave them, I'm going to give them that fruitcake that's been going around since 1955. Or, you know what, I'm going to give my brother's kid that annoying, loud toy that they gave my kid. Now, I mean, if you really love someone, you go out of your way to get the best gift that you can get, right? Right? And think about God. He says that if people know how to give good gifts to their families, how much more will our Father in Heaven give us good gifts? This is better than Christmas. I love Christmas. I love all the, you know, I love the the German uh, uh, bread stolen. I love the, the cooking and all. I love all that stuff. I love it. I love the songs. I love the whole season. But God's gifts are bigger than Christmas every day of the year. God is always good all the time. Amen? And how much more if God loves us, then He'll take care of us. Think about this. How much more your Heavenly Father gives good things to those who ask? Well, see, Pastor, I need that million dollars. That's a good thing. Well, maybe that million dollars is not a good thing because you might be tempted. Maybe it is a good thing. Focus on what's really important. God, send me good things so I can be good or I can help other people. Amen? God wants to give you good things. You should expect good things from God. Amen? James 1.17. Check this. Out. I love the Scripture. Every good and perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. Isn't that exciting? Let her see God then, we talk about this often, God gives you a hope and a future. God gives you a future and a hope. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. 11. You should memorize this. You should write this down. You should quote this to yourself at least once a month if you have to. Once a week if you need to. Daily if you have to. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in a future. Do you see that? Some of you are walking in here thinking God's going to beat you up. He only disciplines you when you're being out of control. But otherwise, He says, man, do you see what I have for you? I have good things for you. I have plans to prosper you. Plans not to harm you. Plans to give you hope. Plans to give you a future. Think about all the good that God has for you. God is a good God, Amen. He loves you. He's thinking, can you imagine this? He's thinking of ways to make you prosper. You're like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, that million dollars. Again, get your mind off that million dollars. Well, stop talking about it, Pastor. God wants you to prosper in your mind, your body, your relationships, your finances, your your life. God wants you to prosper. He's thinking of ways for you to prosper. Isn't that exciting? He's thinking of giving you a future and a hope. What an awesome God. Number four, five. In this lifetime. In this lifetime. Let her in the, in the land of the living. Let her in the land of the living. So I wrote it, I have it in two, two, two versions in, in the NIV and the New King James. Psalm 27, 13. The David said this. I am still confident of this. I see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Now, the last time I checked, you're alive, right? Last time you checked, right? Let me see. Yeah, my heart's beating. I'm breathing. Looks like you're breathing, some of you. Some of you most of you, looks like your heart is beating. So, so you're living, right? Okay? So David is saying, not only in the future, not just in heaven, but he's saying, now listen to this, in Psalm 23, 13, in the King James, 27, 13. I would have lost heart Unless I believe that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. How many of you are alive today? Some of you are still, you're not sure yet. David is saying, No, I'm going to see God's goodness in the land of the living. Today. Tomorrow. Next week. Next month. Next year. The next decade. Not only in the future, but now. Now. In the land of the living. God is a good God. God's goodness comes to us in our lifetime in various forms. Amen? God, David said, I would have lost hope. How do people lose hope? How do we lose hope? What happens? We get distracted from God. We, let, we allow the media to tell us. We, we, we fall into the lie. We beat ourselves up. I, I can be my worst critic and I can be my worst enemy sometimes. I can make a mistake and I can just beat myself up. And who loves that? The enemy loves that. Yeah, that's right. You're a loser, Stan. Yeah, you, 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 no, you have no business. And when those thoughts come to you, those are the devil's thoughts. You've got to rebuke those in the name of Jesus. Amen? You've got to let the Word of God dictate to you how good God is. Refuse to live in despair. I mean, there's tough times. There, all of us deal through... We go through tough times. We, there's seasons of loss. There's seasons of, of heartache. There's seasons of, of, of depression. But we make it through those because we have a sure hope in God. Amen? So God is good all the time. Amen? In the land of the living. Then it says, letter B, prepare your minds for action. 1 Peter 1.13 says, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given when Jesus Christ is revealed. So you can have self-control. Again, there it is, right? Set your hope fully on the grace of God. Prepare your minds. Dust off the cobwebs. Get control of your thoughts through the power of Jesus Christ and think about the hope that you and I have. Amen? You have a choice every day. Do you live in hope? Or do you live in despair? you have a choice every day to believe, I believe in God and His goodness or I'm going to allow the enemy to destroy my life? You see, you can either have God help you control your thoughts or you can allow the world or the enemy of our souls to control us. You have to put on the helmet of hope and guard your mind. Remember I said this earlier, hope is the confident expectation of the goodness of God. Isn't that exciting? I'm getting down to the end. Now here's the last thing, number six. God's thank you. God's His way of saying thank you. God is thankful for us. Often we say, God, thank you. And I do. I thank God every day for blessings and you and and my family and friends. And I thank God. I thank God sometimes for the traffic that makes me have to slow down. You might think that's crazy, but sometimes I thank God that sometimes people slow me down and I didn't get the ticket. (laughs) Oops. Sometimes I thank God because it makes me take another route. And I see things that I've never seen before. Oh, that store's there? Or oh, this neighborhood? Wow, I didn't see it. wow, this this ride is beautiful. So it's it's your choice. Am I gonna be ungrateful? Am I gonna be mad? Am I gonna be angry? Or, or, or am I gonna be thankful? Well, here it is. But God says in second Corinthians, and listen to this, I want you to listen to this, okay? Second Corinthians five ten. God thank you. Here's how he says thank you. Some of you say, I'm not gonna see this, i do not see it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. What? That's a thank you? You'll see. That each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Now, if you saw that word judgment, you said, Oh, you see, God is a judging God. Now, here's the thing about the English language, your home language, your language, And the Bible was written in Hebrew, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew and Aramaic, and then the New Testament was written mostly in in Greek. And the Greek word for judgment seat is actually bima seat. Translated means awards seat. Okay, so take the word judgment out. For we we must all appear before the award... Come on, say it with me. Awards seat. Do you see the difference now? When we see the word judgment, what do we think? I'm bad. God is going to... Bank me, he's going to thump me. He's going to deal with me. Now, if we're in rebellion and we're living in sin, sure he will help us to get out. But you see, if we're letter A guilt is from the enemy of our souls. The enemy makes us want to feel guilty, right? How many of you feel guilty about stuff? You eat that extra cookie, you feel guilty. You did that thing. You should, I mean, you know, I mean, there's some things you shouldn't feel guilty about, but some things guilt is the work of the enemy. You did something ten years ago. You did something yesterday. Something happened and you're, you're still playing it over and over in your mind. Let me just help you. If you ask for forgiveness of it, God has totally forgotten about it. And the only person that remembers it very well is you and the devil. The only two people. And he is constantly trying to get you. Do you remember that? Do you remember that? Do you remember that? And you're like, yeah, I'm such a loser. And he's like, that's right. And you see, Remember those thoughts are not from God. Because God doesn't bring that back up. He's if The Bible says if, if He's forgiven you, it says He's cleansed us. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to cleanse us of our unrighteousness. And give us a free conscience. And so if, if that word judgment makes you feel guilty, go back to that. Can you go back to that scripture? For we must all be, be, appear before the judgment. You're like, oh. But no, actually, in your mind, starts saying the, the award seat. The Bema seat. You see, letter B, God doesn't always rebuke. God doesn't always rebu- I mean, some of us, our view is that God's taking that helmet and He's thumping you over the head with that. Some of you maybe came in this morning thinking, you know what, God is going to thump me. That wasn't His intention. Sometimes He has to swat you as a, as a parent, has to discipline. But His plan was to be, I want to give you hope. I want to give you joy. I want to give you a future. You see, some of you drag into church and, and you're like... I hope the building doesn't crush on I mean, you know. I hope the lightning doesn't strike. That's the devil. Because God's here, He says, I want to free you. I want to give you hope. I want to give you joy. I want to give you future. I want to give you confidence to do great things. And if during the whole service you're thinking, Oh, I'm a bad person, the devil has control of your life and thoughts. And you guys have rebuke those thoughts. Those are not from God. You see, because if God wanted to deal with us, this world would be empty right now. People would have been gone a long time ago. Do you see what I'm saying? He would have destroyed us, but He's a loving God. He wants you to have a great life. Psalm 103, 9 and 10. Listen to this. This is awesome. Write this down. Memorize this. The Lord is compassionate and gracious. Oh, I thank God for this. He's slow to anger. Oh, thanks, Lord. You are slow to anger. Abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will He arbor His anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. Thank You for that, Lord. Or repay us according to our iniquities. Isn't that awesome? God doesn't treat us as we deserve. We sang about amazing grace at the beginning purposely. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. God is graceful. He is slow to anger. Slow to wrath. He doesn't treat us as we deserve. That's the grace of God. Amen? So God doesn't always rebuke. Stop allowing the devil to critically cripple you and keep you from living a future of hope because of your past. If you've asked for forgiveness of it, it's gone. And just remind him of his future. Remind the devil, you're going to burn forever and ever in the pit. And I'm not. Because I'm redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. So get out of my face. You can speak to the devil like that. Okay? You can do that. That's okay. So the next thing, okay, God doesn't always rebuke. Let her see. The real purpose of the judgment seat. The real purpose of the judgment seat or the Bema seat. You see, again, I told you the judgment seat is the place where we are rewarded. We are awarded for our service. awarded for allowing God to work in our lives. This is God's way of saying thank you for your service. This is God's way of saying well done. He will reward us for our hospitality. When you see a homeless person and you help them, God's going to reward you for that someday. Maybe on this earth. You see, when you take time out to help a struggling co-worker, God is going to award you for that. When you take time to have compassion on someone, when they are struggling with an addiction, God is going to reward you for that. Isn't that awesome? You see, helping the stranger on the side of the road. Now, you've got to be careful. You've got to pray about that. Every time I see a person on the side, I pray, God, what do I do? And you do have to be careful, because there are people that are out there looking for people to do problem, to do evil to. But pray about that. Okay ask God to help you don't don't put strangers in your car unless the Lord directs you to okay but God will bless you for taking kids to Sunday school. God will bless you for serving food at the church luncheon. God'll bless you for working in the nursery. I know that's a thankless job someone's like, oh man, wow nursery oh yuck. thank God for nursery workers amen. Thank God for you. God will will reward you for helping out in the community and the needs that they have there. God will thank you for helping the poor. James 1.27 says, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. God will bless you for giving funds to a homeless shelter. God will bless you for donating food to a food drive. God will thank you for bringing people to Jesus Christ you will be rewarded for that. God thanks you for giving your hard-earned money to missions. God will thank you for being faithful and giving His tithes back to the kingdom of God, to the church. God will thank you for your hard prayers, wrought in tears and through turmoil. God will answer those prayers. Amen? God will thank you for standing up for righteousness in a world that doesn't believe in righteousness anymore. God will thank you and reward you for standing up for traditional marriage when everyone else says it's wrong. God will thank you for the numerous and unknown sacrifices that you've done for His kingdom, for your family, for your friends, for your business. Sometimes you think you go to work and you think, does even anyone even care? God cares. And one day, you're not going to stand before the judgment seat, you're going to stand before the Bema seat of God. And he's going to say, I saw you put in those extra hours at work and no one cared, but you helped that business. You carried that business. Here's your reward. I saw you cleaning the church when no one saw. I saw you helping the church. I saw you give that extra X amount of dollars so that the church could do this. I saw you help these people on the side. I saw that and here's your reward. That, my friends, is going to be awesome. And so God is saying even now to us, thank you for your service. Titus 211 11-14 says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to the godliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. While we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great Savior, God and Savior Jesus Christ. You see, finally God will thank us for placing our hope in Him that He is going to rescue us from wickedness and from this world. Don't hide from the world. Live His light. But God is going to bless us for holding on to the truth. Amen? Would you stand with me this morning? You see, God is a God of hope. Amen? God's hope should liberate you from the fear of death. God's hope should liberate you from the struggles of this world. God's hope should liberate you from the fears and the anxieties that you hear and see. And they're real. There are real struggles. People are really struggling. You and I are really struggling at times. But God gives me hope. You've got to have hope in God. Amen? Trust in Him. Quote these scriptures. Write these scriptures down before you go. Before you go, I, I want to give some... I think I have enough. I think I have enough for everybody. Can I just get some help? Or, or, or if not enough for everybody, then, then for every family. Every, if not, I want to give you this piece of paper. And there are some scriptures there. There's some important stuff in that. And it's very powerful. And Before we close, don't leave yet. Don't leave yet. Please don't leave yet. I want to pray over you. I want to pray over you, but I want you to take this sheet. And I want you, from this point on, to start taking control of your thoughts. I want you to begin to take the Scriptures of God and put hope into your life. Amen? I want you to begin to have hope. There's a little thing that you don't have to read it all right now, and you can. I know some of you are rebellious, and you've already started reading it, and that's fine. I'm just teasing you. But, but in there, there's a couple things that are there, and you're going to get one in a moment. You're going to get one. But I want you to take this home. I want you to put this in your Bible. I want you, I want you to put this in a prominent place. Maybe it's on your refrigerator or on your mirror or wherever. That you're going to begin to look at this and you're going to begin to read this. and It says that when I feel this, there's a scripture. When, I, when I'm dealing with this, there's a scripture to help you. Because God wants to give you hope and a future. Amen? His plan is not to destroy you. Say that. God does not want to destroy me. He has a plan To prosper me, to give me hope, and a future. That's out of Jeremiah 29.11. I'm not making it up. Does everybody have one of those sheets? Okay? Everybody have one of those sheets? Or or the families? And and we can maybe at the end give some. Can can someone give me a sheet as they're coming, you guys, to the front? Can you spare me one sheet if, if possible? God cares for you. He's thinking great thoughts. Amen? He loves you. He wants you to succeed. He wants you to prosper. He wants you to do well and everything. And so I, I don't want you, thank you, I don't want you beating yourself up anymore. I don't want you beating yourself up and saying I'm, I'm worthless, I'm a loser. That's a lie from the devil. But if you look here, it says this, okay? If you go down past the little quotes there, the first thing says this, I am free from failure. Okay? And there's a scripture there. I can do all things in Christ. So when you begin to feel like you're a failure, quote this scripture. I am free from want Because it says, My God supplies all my needs. Amen? When you have a need, I mean, here, let me tell you something. I was, sometimes when I get physically tired, my mind plays tricks on me, right? And I was physically tired because I didn't get sleep one night because kids are up and I got a few hours to sleep. And that whole day I was worrying about stuff. And I think, what am I doing? My God shall supply all my needs. So I got a better night's sleep that night and the next day I wasn't worried about that anymore. Because number one, I rested and number two, I put the scripture. I'm free from doubt. God has given every man the measure of faith. I am free from weakness. So there's stuff on here. They're double-sided. When you have these issues, look over this list and say, you know, I am free. I am free. I am free. Quote these out loud. Remember the word of faith. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the what? Word of God. These are scriptures. You need to stand and physically say, when you begin to feel like, hey, I'm a failure, or the enemy has this, or I am free from defeat. Isn't that awesome? Well, I don't know my Bible. It says here, I am free from ignorance. I'm serious. We're only as ignorant as we want to be. Amen? God has given you a superhuman computer and you can do I'm, I'm going to go with this. I am free from worry. First Peter 5 says, Cast all my cares upon Him because He cares for me. I am free from bondage. Where